You guys, welcome to episode 65 of The Smush Room, the podcast that deep dives on the well-known and more importantly, not so well-known hookups of your favorite reality TV stars. It's me, same old Troy McKeady, and uh, I finally, I have a guest with me today because I'm done talking about Britney Spears for five fucking months. Um, and I'm going to be recording today with my friend Jay, Jay Renna, who, if you guys have been an EVP for a long time, you guys know Jay. And he does all the, most of the social media stuff for Emotionally Broken Psychos. So any like fun gifts that you see on the internet, like it's Jay's beautiful wit. <laughs> Jay, how are you? Hey, what's up guys? I'm good. Um, also just coming off of a uh, Britney Spears high because I saw her last piece of me show this past Sunday. So I'm still, uh, I know you just said you just talked about it for a few months and that's the first thing that I'm going to bring up. I mean, it's just, it's my cross to bear in life though. Like I never get sick of it. Like how was, how was your experience? Was that your first Britney show? Well, my first one since the dream within a dream tour. So Mm. yeah, it's been a while, but, um, it was weird because it was at six o'clock. She went on stage at six and the way, and it was outdoors and at six o'clock here right now in Texas, it's fully sunny outside. And so like the sun wasn't even set yet. So it kind of felt like a weird festival because we were just in this giant field. And it was just daylight and the, you, I mean, you could see everything on stage, like the lights weren't even that bright, but uh, it was fun. It was, it was kind of what, exactly what I wanted because it was weird start. Uh, she spoke in a British accent the whole time, which was awesome. Yeah. You got a lot of British, a little, a lot of British, <laughs> which like I live yeah. for. I mean, she talked in a British accent for a really long time at that show. It looked like. Yeah. But no, it was a lot of fun. Um, it was like I said, it was a weird setting being outside in the daytime, but once like the sunset um, and the beer hit a little bit more, um, got kind of into it and it was awesome. And it was perfect. Cool. Oh Didn't God, sing so a fun. single, a single note was not saying live. And that's also <laughs> what, the way I wanted it. <laughs> yeah. Did she speak during your show aside from like, I'm bringing a guy on stage to whip. Um, she just says, what's up, Texas, like three times, and how are you feeling, Texas? She never stated Austin. I don't think she knew where in Texas she was. She oh, was Brent. Texas. Oh, my God, I love it. It's exactly oh, what then, you want. Yeah, no, and then she said everything's taller in Texas, which was also just perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Everything, wait, what was that in reference to? Um, oh, it's whenever she brings, like, a person up on stage. Oh my god! And then she was like, she went up to the guy. She's like, "You're tall." She's like, "I guess everything is taller in Texas." I'm like, "Almost got it." You oh my god. god! I love a wordsmith. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you and I are very much bonded over what we're going to be talking about today. And like, I just first of all, let me just let the cat out of the bag that we're going to be talking about Courtney Cox and David Arquette today. Yes. And uh, Jay and I both love scream on that very just that real homosexual level that you just can't it's hard to (laughs) you know it's hard to really put it into words there's just something about that movie that just brings all of us together and you know i just i'm so excited to talk about this with you yeah it's a it's a whole vibe and it's very specific kind of vibe (laughs) it is it is it's like we all i don't know what it i really don't know what it is but like i just know that you get it and you love like horror, we were talking about before we started recording, like, you know, it's, it's Halloween, it's October, like Halloween is coming up this week. Uh, you know, uh, Halloween just came out with Jamie Lee Curtis and we both just went to see it. Like, I'm feeling very spooky right now. Yeah, totally. It's spooky season. 
<laughs> spooky season. <laughs> um, and I wanted to do this for a really super long time, but I just, I don't know. I just, uh, I felt like, I don't know. I feel like this isn't one that I could record by myself. I've already talked about Scream by myself at Nauseam, so I'm like really excited to get your... And that's um, just you talking about it by yourself without recording. You're just, you're just <laughs> yeah, it's me pacing back and forth. In my no, it's you talking to the uh, <clears throat> the prehistoric creatures that live on your balcony, on your patio. <laughs> Which are insane. You guys, if you follow me on Instagram, (laughs) I live in a building that just, it's a real, it just inhabits, it's like old timey, real old prehistoric (laughs) type bugs just exist here. Bugs that have not been able to produce in like 30 or 40 years. Like they just live by my lights. Just big giant pterodactyl size moths and like ants that have big giant pinchers on them where they could like lift up cars. It's wild. Yeah, I'll be like scroll- going through Instagram stories. I'm like, is this an ad sponsored ad for the new Jurassic Park movie? Oh, no, it's 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 Troy's uh, bug family. Bugs have not stopped growing since like the 1700s. No, not where I live. Like Chris Pratt is outside right now, like wrangling something. <laughs> um, well, I guess we can go ahead and get right into it. Uh, this is yeah. a really, I mean, this is an interesting relationship. It's always been one of my favorite all time. Hollywood relationships and like the way that I think a lot of people feel about um, my nemesis Jennifer Aniston and her husband ex-husband Brad Pitt um, is it's a lot of how it's the feelings that I I think people feel it's how I feel about this specific relationship like I love these two together and there's like this weird part of me that thinks like you know in ten years they'll like loop back to each other or something yeah yeah it's weird it's um. Not to like jump ahead, but I just didn't realize the levels that they were at once stuff got rocky. I, I watched some of their Howard Stern interview today. Mm-hmm. Have you, did you see that? It's like an hour long. It's on YouTube. But I didn't way, get to watch Howard. I watched Barbara Walters, but I didn't get to see Howard. Yeah, it was interesting the way they talked to each other. Like once they had established that they were split up, mm. it was strange because they were very much acknowledging that they were split up, but the way they like communicated and talked about each other, it was like, they didn't seem like they were split up. You know what I mean? Yeah. They just have such like a, 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 a it's like a weird, like shorthand, you know, like they're just so compatible even when they're not. Yeah, exactly. Which um, I didn't realize it was like at, at such a weird level. And it was at Howard Stern interview. I was just watching. It. I was just like entranced by the way that they were just communicating. I'm like, wait, you guys are like on the nice with each other's relationships, but I really fully don't feel that at all. Yeah. And like, again, not to jump ahead, but like, you know, it's really hard to not like, I mean, even as a teenager and like a young person watching scream, like their chemistry throughout all of those movies is so palpable and so intense, especially in the second one when they were like really falling in love. Um, Yeah. It's just like, it's really not like anything I think any of us had ever seen. And then for Wes Craven to have like, you know, written, to to wrote to have written their relationship (laughs) into you know the movie so like life was like imitating art in this weird way like it's just it's really it really i say this a lot as a joke but like it really is like a beautiful love story it's great oh yeah absolutely and then you got uh you know a baby with a very strange name which is you know (laughs) the the icing on top of the cake yeah you can't be an iconic celebrity couple and not have a baby with like a weird food name so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, um, I'll go ahead and uh, I guess get started here. Um, just the uh, this housekeeping portion of this podcast that I talk about so often. Uh, so Courtney Cox and David Arquette started dating in 1997. Um, they technically met in 1996 on the set of Scream. 
Uh, they got engaged in 98 and they got married on June 12th of 99. Um, they were, they were separated in October of 2010. Lots of dates here being thrown at you. And, uh, their divorce was finalized in May of 2013. Um, and yeah, I mean, Courtney and David are one of those celebrity couples that you sort of, uh, you think of when you think of like Hollywood, like amicable, um, you know, no drama divorces where they, you know, remain friends and they work together. And it just, it makes it even harder for us to get over it because they seem so compatible. still, like you said, uh, you know, while not being together, um, but I also feel like they are a couple that had a very clear understanding of like how much people love them together. And I, I, I feel like they have this weird thing in their hearts where they're like, they know how much their relationship means to people who watch Scream and like love that franchise. And, you know, it's almost like they, yeah. not even just for their kid, but they didn't want to like taint our, uh, our perception of like Dewey and Gale. You know what I mean? Exactly. And then I guess like having that kind of pressure didn't help once things were getting, you know, towards the end of it. Um, just having that, you know, on your shoulders of like, man, our relationship sucks, but we have to do this, be this way for the, everyone that can see us. Yeah. So I'm sure that that didn't help the situation. No, not at all. And like, they're just so, again, one of those opposites attracts situations where at a certain point it's like, well, fuck. I'd kind of like for you to like maybe kind of be on my level. And I relate so much to Courtney in this situation where she's like, I'm dating this fun, cool, hot, like kooky guy who wears giant top hats and he buys me weird art. And like, we are this kooky weird couple and he brings me out of my shell. And then after 11 years, you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually married to like an adult baby. <laughs> yeah. You know? And yeah. And he really had that vibe um, with that interview that I was watching um or she was just like oh yeah no i had to leave because i was like tired of all of this yeah never, she was basically insinuating that he had never like really changed as the years went on it kind of stayed stagnant um she talked about how there was she allotted him like two nights a week i think these like wednesdays and saturdays every week where he could just go out and do whatever he wants while she stayed home and that was just kind of their understanding of how like they had you know, their boundaries of like, okay, these two nights you can go, but apparently that's what ended up like becoming such a, such a cycle that never broke, which is one of the reasons that they, uh, you know, started not be, not being on the same page again. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) No, look, you're talking to the the tongue tie King over here. Don't even get started. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's sad because it's like these two obviously really, really loved each other. And, there's a part of me that feels like, you know, David probably wished for their whole relationship that he could be like this better person for her. He always said, you know, that he didn't actually deserve her. And like his, you know, his worst fear was her realizing that she could do better. And, you know, same for her wanting this guy to like be the guy that she knows he can be and, you know, be sober and, you know, take his life seriously and like be an adult male person. Uh, But he just couldn't do it and she couldn't do it. And, you know, clearly they're very compatible. So it's awesome that they're still close friends and they have like a production company and stuff together. But um, I guess we can kind of start with talking about Courtney, the bell of the ball. You know, I always say ladies first and whatnot. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Uh, I had no idea that Courtney was like a Southern gal. She was raised in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah, Um, I knew it was like 
I knew Southern, but I didn't know it was like Alabama. That was kind of like, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, like no hint of a, an accent at all. Yeah, not, that even was, a, not even a twang. Yeah, um, she's very, uh, I don't know, I guess just because if she's been in the business for so long, that there's just something that she was like, I'm putting this away immediately. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she had like a pretty, uh, from what I've read, like a pretty normal childhood. Her parents divorced in the 70s and her mom remarried this guy named uh, Hunter Copeland, who was the uncle of Ian Copeland and uh, who was also the uncle of music manager Stuart Copeland, who was the drummer for the police. Um, and uh, yeah, she dropped out of college in uh, her early twenties to like pursue modeling and acting very sort of ter- like stereotypical. Like she, her first big yeah. break was like on a, a very iconic music video, uh, Bruce Springsteen's dancing in the dark <laughs> and your girl is eighties snapping and bebopping and rooting and tooting all over that stage. <laughs> Living for that gig for her, I love. I love that yeah. for her. Yeah, you know, eighties <laughs> <80s> snapping. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I always say, like you know, there's a lot of people that I talk about on this podcast that have very sort of stereotypical beginning phases of her of their careers, and she's no different. Like she started in a million, you know, television shows. She had really small appearances in random films. You know, she was on Family Ties and. Uh, she was in, um, she had a role in Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. And the weird thing is that even though all of her roles were super small, and she was mostly known as the girl that snapped her fingers on stage in the Bruce Springsteen music video, uh, when she signed on to do Friends, she was still considered, like, the most famous one. Like, she was, like, the one that they yeah. were like, banking on. Yeah, because I think, didn't she originally uh, audition for uh, Rachel? Yeah, so she like auditioned for Rachel. Also, and- full disclosure is going to scare a lot of people or Uh-oh. confuse them. I only had seen maybe three episodes collectively of Friends. Um, I I I mean, obviously, I know the show, but I have actually never actually sit that sat down and watched more than three episodes. I was actually going to ask you if you were like a Friends head. I mean, I'm not judging you at all. I think that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> bring this up but i didn't know how do you watch friends <laughs> i really need to know it's like in giant size 25 font like bold right on my notes like ask jay if he <laughs> yeah no i have that uh frame on my door like on vanderpump rules <laughs> uh, your friend's head <laughs> i mean look a lot of people are going to judge <laughs> me for saying this and it's just my opinion uh but you know i think that friends is a show that was great for its time i really i was i was a friend's head i was obsessed with friends um but i think it's a show in my opinion that just like didn't age well like i I don't know there are shows that i watch that do have like a laugh track and stuff that i still think are very funny i think seinfeld is still like very funny um i don't think the laugh track like really ruins a show especially when you grew up like being aware of those beats um but friends for me is just like it's just, it, it didn't age well. Like, I don't, I don't think it's funny to watch a person, like, with a, tur- a, a turkey stuck on their head chase people around a, a, a <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's not, it's not my thing. But I get, you Sorry, know. That's comedy gold. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> People you can't write that it. kind of stuff anymore. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm not here to bash friends. People love it. I, I get it. You know, there are shows yeah. that I like from that time that people don't like, and I get it, but it's, I think it's a little like, it's just cool to like, like friends and people just are kind of like sucking friends' dick because it's just cool too. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And it's not. but she was she was originally cast as rachel um they like loved her for rachel actually they were like fully on board for that and she related to monica more so they she asked if she could come back and audition again and uh they were basically going to tell her like no matter what like you're gonna be rachel but they just like let her do it and then she killed it as monica so much that they were like oh okay Kitty's got claws. Of course you can play Monica if you want. Um, And uh, the original concept for the show, I guess, was that, like, she was supposed to be, like, Joey's love interest, which is so weird. And the whole show was supposed to revolve around, like, this Monica, Courtney Cox, and Matt LeBlanc, like, love story that was going to last, like, 10 years. Uh, The show also went through, like, 40 different name changes. It was called uh, Friends Like Us, Across the Hall, uh, I remember, yeah, I remember the across the hall tidbit. My favorite one is Insomnia Cafe because it's so '90s, like cafe being like this, like I don't okay. know. <laughs> no, you know I know what it's, mean? Mean, it's the same. Like when you hear internet cafe, you know, yes, <laughs> and you immediately have this thought in your head of people drinking like forty dollars cups of coffee and like using their like MacBooks or whatever. I don't know why I thought coffee was so expensive when I was little. Like I didn't, like like around that. I know, right? <laughs> if you were drinking anything from a coffee cup with, like, foam on it, I felt like you were, like, a wealthy, rich person who, like, graduated college and had all your shit together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, you did, honestly. I mean, honestly, yeah. <laughs> a cup of coffee in the 90s, like, fuck me. Um, <laughs> there's also all this, like, folklore around, like, the auditioning process for Friends that, like, you know, all these celebrities were involved in it, and it's, like, even though they didn't get cast, like, it, it still set them off on, like, this weird, like, you know, like, Leah Remini was supposed to be Monica, and she ended up not getting it, and it, like, set her on her path, and, like, Kathy Griffin and Jane Lynch auditioned, and they met at the audition, and they became friends and, like, did improv stuff together. Like, it's just so much weaved into, like, the comedy world. Um, and uh, I've talked about this before, but, like, in the... Uh, in the Jennifer Aniston episode that I recorded like forever ago. Um, but the entire cast actually like went on like a, before they became super famous, they went on like a Vegas trip. And the producer of the show is like, I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but like the show is going to be huge and you guys are going to be like cultural phenomenon. So like, we're sending you to Vegas that you can go out and like anonymously get drunk and like be debaucherous and spend too much money and do whatever you want because you'll never be able to do it as a group ever again. And then, well, I mean, I think we know what happened. They, uh, the show took off. Yeah, and um, I was, it was just such a presence. Like I said, I've never seen it, but I, I, I you know, I've never seen it, but I know that show so well. Mm-hmm. Just because of its presence and what it, everyone who watched it, it was always on. And, like, I know all the characters' names. I know, you know, the settings, the, the cafe place. It's, it was wild, like, the kind of, like, how quickly it took on like it became what it is very quickly 
Yeah, I mean, it did just have such like a, it was really kind of impossible to grow up during that time and not be influenced by like friends culture. It was just, it was everything and everywhere, especially after they, you know, they very famously um, were like the first cast in television history to negotiate as a group their their like value um because the women were being paid less than the guys and they all kind of stuck together and they were like no like we should all be paid equally whether it's more or less or whatever Um, so that was a huge deal and i remember like the headlines being like you know the the greedy cast of friends you know, like these money-hungry <laughs> monsters, they want more money. And I, yeah, because weren't they also the first to like, um, like break a mil per episode? Yeah, they were. And that was the that was like the big thing. I was like, their negotiation was a million per episode, but they were the like first uh, like TV show to actually like get that kind of money per week. Or, like, and that per was episode. like unimaginable. I mean, that was like a. To imagine, I mean, it's kind of still is even 20 years later to imagine being paid, you know, for like a 20 ep- or a, maybe a 15 episode season that you're getting a million dollars. Well, then, God, wasn't it like about 23, 24? Oh my God. Yeah, that's right. Because it's like network. Jesus yeah. Christ. It's insane. Um, can we talk about David's childhood for a second? Yes. For the love of God. Because <laughs> your boy grew up in a commune, so we need to talk. Yeah. <laughs> you know I love a cult. You know that I love cults on this podcast. I live for a cult-like I, upbringing. I always thought that I would accidentally end up in one. And I, it's there, I mean, there's still room for me for that to happen to Absolutely. me. Absolutely. I'm rooting for you. Yeah. I mean, because <laughs> I just listened to that uh, podcast, um, Escaping Nexium. Okay. It's like oh. that weird sex cult that that girl from Smallville was like in. Oh yeah. The branding one. Yeah. So the podcast is this girl who escaped from it and it's like her, she's telling, she's like basically exposing them from the moment she joined to the moment she left. And you know, I was listening to it when she was in it before it got really crazy. I was like, nah, not so bad. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone seems nice and fun and there's free snacks. Why not? <laughs> and everybody's just hooking up all the time. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I mean, you get branded and you, with a hot needle. <laughs> but, you know, when doesn't that happen every now and then? It's called foreplay. Can we talk? Exactly. Um, so, David, who was obviously very famously a part of the Arquette acting dynasty, he grew up in this religious commune in Virginia called Skymont. Um the location was originally like this Christian summer camp and they closed it in the sixties and it was rented out by all these different groups. And then this guy named Robert bachelor and like the almost the other thing was like 69. Um, a very 69 name. <laughs> I mean like Robert bachelor. It's like, <laughs> of course this guy started a cult. You're kidding. Yeah. What else? Are you, what, yeah. What else are you going to do with that? <laughs> Names choose you in life. Um, <laughs> But he started, I mean, it was like the spiritual movement. Um, it was called, I don't, I know that I'm not pronouncing it the right way. It's S-U-B-U-D, Subud. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Um, hang on. I actually have that right here. Subud? Subud? Oh, yeah. So when you go to the pronunciation, the spelling doesn't spell it. So <laughs> we're going to call it a su- Subud, but Subud. I don't. I don't. I'll, I'll let you pick, and then um, someone can correct us later. I think Sue Bud actually sounds right. That sounds that sounds culty. Yeah, that sounds culty. I love that for us. Yeah. Um, 
so they chose this location as like their home base based on its uh quadrinal world conference makes sense makes sense (laughs) you know what i mean you suck your pointer finger put it in the air the wind blows and you figure out that that's where the quadrinal world conference is Um, (laughs) and uh yeah the whole point of this movement was to like awake your inner self and like make you a better person and find fulfillment in life or whatever and uh it started in the 20s by this like mystic and the guy claimed to have experience like a ball of light going into his brain you guys know how cool shit works i don't know a ball of light (laughs) went into his head he said he fucking saw his future and whatnot and uh you know he started a cult where everybody fucks each other i mean the whole point of all these cults is really so that these men can just have constant sex with women who would never say no right that's all it is yeah and all you need to do is uh brand them yeah (laughs) it's a hot needle and a lighter (laughs) (laughs) just like old times just like old times (laughs) so david's father moved them david's dad was hitchhiking and he met a guy that was like he was his whole plan was to have his whole family be raised in this commune like his goal was to get to that area um so in the 70s his family moved there all of the kids um david was born in the. that's such a wild picture to like have in your head like this family it is insane (laughs) i mean especially because here's the thing David's dad was a successful actor while they lived there. He wasn't like some hillbilly who hit it big in Hollywood. Like he was already on television when he moved his family to like a dirt patch. Like they were eating breakfast in the morning with like over a hundred people every day. Yeah. It's wild. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The seventies, you know, I mean, we were born (laughs) in the wrong time. We'll just, just exactly. Uh, his brother, David's brother, Richmond, gave an interview to this, like, Virginia agricultural website because, obviously, like, this part of town is, like, that's what they're known for. You know, it's big news. They had a cult living there for 30 years. Um, (laughs) But he said, it was summertime while the adults were busy following their bliss. The kids ran free. I was surrounded by friends all the time, and we had a lot of freedom. We swam in the creek. We swam in the river. A swimming pool empty... A swimming pool that was empty... Uh, with some swampy green water at the bottom was a great place to catch snapping turtles and insects. The kids inve- uh, invented imaginative games, and some of them would last for weeks with long storylines. So they basically had no um, supervision. Like they, These kids could just run around in little hellion groups and do whatever they wanted. Can you imagine David Arquette as a kid doing whatever he wants all the time? Yes, actually, I can. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> You know that he like, had a little... like, No, he, I can picture it. He's like a little baby, but with his like actual same head that we know now. <laughs> like his same like squinty smile. Yeah. Yeah, I can <laughs> easily picture that. <laughs> you know that he definitely had like a little knife that he did everything with, like a little switchblade that like was like his go-to for everything. Oh, yeah, like a wooden like stubby handle. Yes. Like almost like Bart's <laughs> like Bart Simpson's like slingshot, like in the back of his pocket at all times. Yes. Um and so as, like, these families started leaving the commune in the 90s, like, the Arquettes stayed, they literally, this successful dynasty acting family lived in a one-room cabin with no heat or water um, until it was just like, okay, it's just us. Like, literally nobody was there but the Arquettes at a certain point. <laughs> Finally gave it up. Uh, they looked outside and just like, oh, shit, they left, y'all. <laughs> like, we don't even have a leader here. Like, the religion doesn't even <laughs> exist anymore. <laughs> 
we should probably go right <laughs> like i guess it's our time to head out it's like 20 years later that was um, fun <laughs> and their dad which should be no surprise to anyone had some substance abuse issues um so they live this crazy hippie carefree do whatever you want little boy with a knife lifestyle all of david's childhood um and david had a really similar you know they all have the same sort of comeuppance story like he appeared in a a a television show that was canceled after one season i think that that's like a rite of passage you have to like be on a television show that lasts for 12 episodes um he was actually on ever hears of ever again I know. And then this thing that kills me is like, he was on the TV version of the outsiders. I love the outsiders. I didn't even know that there was a TV version. I, yep. That's, that's a new thing. <laughs> I love, oh, I just almost burped into the microphone. Very professional. Oh, um, I block like three. So we're, I'm doing good. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, you know, he did a bunch of uh, like NBC and ABC sitcoms. He was on um, parenthood on NBC with Leonardo DiCaprio for a couple episodes. Um, he his first like really big role i guess was in 1992 he played a gay prostitute named rob um in a movie called where the day takes you and the movie didn't make any money so nobody knows that it existed but now that i do know that david arquette played a gay prostitute your boy will be hunting for that film like a little boy with a knife (laughs) 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 it's gonna be like i'm gonna say that everywhere i go and get that tattooed probably just a little boy with a knife that's your new house size tagline you're welcome (laughs) perfect um we should talk about scream now it's time we got it out of the way yeah let's do it it. um (laughs) so after some guest appearance on some beverly hill 90210 and blossom and all these different stupid things he was also in buffy the vampire slayer um but he was then cast as deputy dewey riley in the film Scream. You guys, I hate to cut you off, but at this point, I think you know the drill. You've got to be a Patreon member to hear the remainder of this episode. So go to patreon.com slash ebpsychos. At that point, you will uh, be asked to donate. And then when you donate at this level, you'll get this podcast. You'll get the remainder of all the episodes every single week. You'll get Liz Bentley's Feathers in My Hair, which is the Teen Mom podcast. Um, You'll get me and Molly's uh, Brittany and Kevin Chaotic special. You'll get all the stuff that Molly does exclusively through Patreon. It's well worth it. And also, if you're not a member of our Facebook group, go to mollyandthepsychos.com. It'll take you straight to it. And uh, all we do all day and all night is talk about reality TV. It's super fun. So, like I said, patreon.com slash ebpsychos and mollyandthepsychos.com. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.